0: everyone, and welcome to the Malt House Games Podcast. My name is Delton, I'll be your host today, and with me as usual is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. And my Marge. And Margie being very needy to us today.
1: We were gone to Portland, America for five days, and so all of the pets are just being clingy little babies, and I don't blame them because I'm also kind of being clingy little babies to them.
0: They have been so needy. In every single possible way you can think of.
1: <laughs> we woke up this morning and the cats had opened up like three or four of our drawers in our bedroom and just pulled all the clothes out, uh, begging for attention. And Steve then, was
0: under the covers at one point beside me, just staring at me.
1: And then about two and a half minutes before we started this podcast, somebody just ran up against the door and went. Row!
0: He like slammed into it. Like body slammed. Was it Steven? You think? Uh, you know, it was. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they've been a little little needy. They all had to go to kitty and puppy jail today because I had to record a presentation. I'm presenting for an organization called Zero, which is put on by the Oklahoma Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. And I'm talking about COVID grief. And I had to record that today. And so the babies had to go in kitty jail. And sure enough, halfway in the presentation, I hear, You know, two rooms over and they hear it. And I go, I'm so sorry. They go, It's fine. It didn't deter from the audio that much. Just As if he hadn't got about 85 minutes of cuddles all morning.
0: We need to find a way to, like, we should lock them in our toilet shower area all the way back in the other corner of the house.
1: Well, then they're going to stand in the shower going
0: Yeah, but if you put them in there and shut the curtain and then shut the door, I mean, not shut the curtain, shut the little doors and then shut the bedroom door, it's multiple layers they have to get through before that sound travels that far. Hopefully that would help.
1: Oh, man. Steve's a pretty noisy boy.
0: He's very noisy, and it's annoying, (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're trying to take a nap. So... Yes.
1: well, I'm sure you heard Delton just cracked the beer that we got from Portland. So, Delty, tell us about this here beer.
0: This is a beer that we picked up our first day in Portland, Oregon, which, by the way, we were visiting our friends Nick and Jennifer. Jennifer is a supporter of the podcast on Patreon. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for not only having us to Oregon to your wonderful home with your wonderful doggo, Jasper. Jasper. But also thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Jennifer is not the only one who supports us on Patreon at a level in which she gets shout outs on the podcast. It's also Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, and Cliff. Thank you all for supporting us. And if you want to be like them, Head to malthousegames.com to find our Patreon link, or you can go directly to patreon.com slash malthousegames. But yes, this beer we picked up the first day after visiting the Rose Gardens for a short time. We went to Von Ebert Brewing Company, which is one of the top-rated breweries there in Portland, Oregon, and we picked up their Sector 7 Hazy IPA, India Pale Ale. This comes in at 7% alcohol by volume. Uh, There's no other flavor indicators or anything on the can.
1: Yeah. So before we drink this beer, just want to say thank you so much to Jen and Nick for opening your home to us.
0: Definitely. It was an amazing time. We had so much fun hiking and seeing nature and then playing games and playing with Jasper and having fun and eating food and all the good stuff that we could do.
1: We got to recreate one of our honeymoon pictures by going to Haystack Rock. We did. We got to eat. Okay. So like Portland, like, okay. Oklahoma has like invasive species that are like stickers. Stickers get caught in your pants. They get caught in your shoes. Yep. They hurt. They hurt like a son of a buck. You go to Portland, and they have really thorny bushes that just so happen to produce blackberries. Blackberries aren't invasive species. You are just walking down the street, or you are walking in the forest, and there are blackberries that you can eat.
0: We went on a hike on uh, Salvi Island, and one of the trails there, it's just coated in blackberry bushes. So the whole time, we're just picking and eating blackberries as we walk. And I don't know. We ate a lot of blackberries. We
1: ate a lot of blackberries.
0: My favorite ones are still the tart ones. I know Nick likes the sweet ones, but the tart ones, that's where it's at. You're a sour Patch Kid. I am. But yes, this beer came there from our first day. We saved, I guess, just the one because we, uh, two... we swapped one with Mark for one of his beers.
1: Yeah. Also, shout out to Mark and Sarah. So nice to meet you.
0: It was. It was just a great time in Oregon. Uh, yeah, this beer's really good. It's hazy. It's a nice yellow, golden yellow color. You get a little citrus and kind of a floral element in the, in the scent. It smells very good. It's got a nice carbonation, not overly so that it has a bite, but it's not undercarved either, but it's still nice and smooth and like pillowy soft.
1: And the taste reminds me of a lemon head. Remember lemon heads? Mm-hmm. Is it, it, I know it's an IPA, but it really, like you said, it has a pillowy, soft, smooth taste. Yep. So like take a lemon head, make it into a beer, and this is what it tastes
0: like. I wouldn't quite go that far. Lemonheads to me always were kind of sour. Oh, it tastes really sweet to me. And I don't really get that here, but huh. maybe I'm just misremembering or maybe I had a sour lemon head. Maybe so. But it is. It's very good. It's nice and gentle. It's super soft. It's light. It's not overly hoppy because, you know, 7% and all. Uh, it's really good, though. I really like this beer. I think it's pretty solid. The other stuff we had, I think we tried a couple others from Von Ebert. I don't remember.
1: We did, but that was the first day, and we did a lot of
0: stuff and that. we dr- Yeah, and we had different, many different beers since then. But, uh, yeah, it was very good. It was a neat little place we ate outside. The food was good, and uh, this beer is really solid.
1: I know we have a game of the episode today, but I want to talk about one of the games we played at uh, Nick and uh, Jen's.
0: Is it Don't Get Got? Yes, it is. I thought so.
1: So, and don't get got, uh, so when we first got there, uh, Nick pulled out a little box and he said, this is your wallet. And I was like, what the hell? Okay. And so we were each given a wallet and in that wallet contained six cards that only we knew what they were. And so with the six cards, it could be things like, say, make someone say, I love you. One of mine was get someone to look at an object three times. There was, I got uh, Delton to argue with me about which direction was north pretty proud of that one. But uh, you have a six of the cards. The rule is you have to complete three of them without getting caught. And so if somebody like calls you out in the process, like, oh, you're trying to do the thing, then you don't win. And so, yeah, my favorite one was the very first night we were there. We're, we're all sitting around the table and I knew that I was going to get Delton with this one because Delton <laughs> always tries to orient himself north, south, east, west, and he always comments on it. And it's all every time we're in a new city, like, that's what he does first. I was like, okay, I know this opportunity is going to come up. I know it is. And sure enough, we're sitting down to play the first game, and he's orienting the board, and he goes, I think this way is north. Which way is north? He said, I think this way is north. And Nick goes, yeah, that way is north. And I was like, my opportunity. And I said, no, I think it's that way. And Nell says, no, I think it's this way.
0: Yeah, because the sun sets over here in the <laughs> west, so that means that's north. And, and then Nick says... I just said North was that way. <laughs> he was, lives there.
1: And I was like, well, I'm not really sure. I'm fairly certain it's this way. And Delton just keeps saying, no, it's it's this way. And so I pulled the card out of my pocket and I said, does this count? And everyone lost their marbles. I got Delton to argue with me about which way well, is North. The thing is,
0: you didn't even get me to do it. I just brought it up because it was like, of course, we we do that everywhere we go, and well, you, you do it, too.
1: You commented on it, then I engaged you in an argument. <laughs> yes, I
0: know. You were like, no, it's that way. And Nick was like, no, it's that way. And I was like, yeah, see, it's that way. And you are like, I don't think so. And then we argued, and Nick was like, what's happening right now? Ah, uh, dumb. But yes, that's from Big Potato Games. Very fun kind of metagame thing to break out at a party. Everyone's got a wallet of six different things. The first to get three, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, wins the game. And so Jennifer won like immediately. She did. And then Haley came in a close-ish second.
1: Yeah, I got three, but all three were against Delton, so I made myself a challenge to get one more. And I freaking wore a Band-Aid for three full days, and nobody commented on it because nobody cares about my health and well-being.
0: Nope, didn't care.
1: <laughs> that was one of mine. Uh, wear a band and have somebody comment on it unprompted. And I just kept like... Positioning my arm where you could see it. Put it in the same spot each time. I thought about putting it on my forehead, but I thought that would be too obvious. I mean, maybe. Maybe, maybe I should have done that. Yeah. Just kidding. They care about my health and well being. Uh,
0: Not not enough. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not enough. 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 I don't care enough.
1: Not enough. But yeah, it was really, really fun. And so we brought back this beer. And we brought back some great memories. And we brought back some sand in our socks, and it was all around good time.
0: There is There's sand in my suitcase. I need to, <laughs> I need to blow it out or something.
1: And so, what else we do over the last couple of weeks, anyone?
0: Well, aside from having a great time in Portland, playing games and having fun with friends, and seeing nature, and hiking, and getting my feet tired, things like that. Uh, one of the big things we got to do recently is play an early, or I guess a digital version. Or not a digital version. But essentially, we got to play an upcoming Kickstarter. Oh, here's the door. <sighs> it's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game for today is a game that is not yet on Kickstarter. And one of the rules I kind of do on the podcast I've talked about this before is I prefer not to do Kickstarters that don't hit distribution, which means nobody can get their hands on them once the Kickstarter's over. I make exceptions to that depending upon the game. I did for PAX Premier because there was a second printing and there's been now a third printing with the John Company Kickstarter and it's starting to pop up here and there, but they keep reprinting it. So there's been opportunities to get it. I've done a few things like that. This one is a local designer and design company here out of Oklahoma. We have one of their other games, True which is modeled after... Now, am I correct in that it's a Brazilian
1: yes. S- steakhouse? Yes. So basically, the theme of Churrascaria is you want to eat the most meat. Yeah. Um, you also uh don't want to eat salad.
0: You don't want vegetables.
1: You don't want vegetables, and you don't want to throw up, or else you lose your points.
0: Unless you can throw up your vegetables.
1: Unless you can throw up your vegetables, then, then that's a good thing.
0: It's a very cutthroat game of gluttony, is what it says on the box.
1: Absolutely it is.
0: And it's, it is, and it's a fun one for sure, especially with a group of like five, six people. Yeah.
1: And David is the one that uh, we tag team and did the presentation together at TokenCon
0: yes, a couple exactly. years ago. And so this is a new game that uh, their company, Absurdist Productions, is putting out on Kickstarter coming up on September 28th as the launch. You can right now sign up to be notified of its launch on Kickstarter. So on social media, Twitter, Facebook, anything like that, you can look up Absurdist Productions. Usually it's Absurdist Prod is the way I think it is on Twitter. But this is a game called Paleo Vet. It is designed by Will Thompson, developed by David Thomas, graphic design by Bridget Indelicato, who was the illustrator and designer in War Chest, if that name sounds familiar. And then the illustrations are by Susanna Randakova, who is from Slovakia. She is a science librarian that illustrates children's books. And it is reflected in this artwork. Yes, these are color pencil, amazing drawings of dinosaurs that look like the like 80s, early 90s kids' dinosaur books. And it's fantastic with all the graphic design and everything. It just looks so good. Uh, the game, now I am going to state this, everything can change. Since the game is not produced and in our hands, Anything we talk about can be morphed and tweaked and everything like that. Like, we played essentially a final version. However, things can always change. So I just want to make that statement.
1: We hope they don't, though, because it was an amazing
0: game. It was a very good game. We're going to throw that out there right off the bat. So it launches in September, I believe September 28th. Uh, The estimated Kickstarter price right now, I think they said was solidified, is $39 for a copy of the game. Um, they originally said 30 to 60 minutes, but they're saying more 30 to 45 or about 10 minutes a player, which I think is very accurate. The four of us played on tabletop simulator through steam and Haley and I were both brand new. And then it was the designer will and the developer David who were the other two players. And I think it took us, I mean, with teaching and talking and discussing, I think it took us like 40, 45 minutes.
1: And that was with me navigating that that uh, online... tabletop sim yeah you
0: are very bad at table which I am honestly so it's, bad. Clunky. it's clunky so it's understandable to be bad i could not flip my card i know it i tried uh so for the kickstarter i'm gonna go ahead and get this kind of stuff out of the way uh for the kickstarter it's gonna be a copy of the game things like that sometimes you can get multiple copies you'll probably be able to get a copy of this and churrascaria their other game uh, i'm just making an assumption there uh, they are planning stretch goals, depending on how the game does, but the stretch goals are not going to add content or expansions to the game. However, they will be adding things like spot UV on the cover, a custom insert, add-ons like acrylic tokens and things of that sort. So really the kind of add-ons that I personally like to see that aren't trying to throw new things in the game, they're just trying to up the value or up the like premium nature of the game, because that's always fun. Uh, the official little tagline for the game, is you are paleo-veterinarians competing to save as many dinos as possible from modern illness and injuries. Roll dice, upgrade your hospital, and compete with fellow paleo-veterinarians, I almost said pelo, uh, to treat injured and sick dinosaurs. Paleo-vegetarians. Yes. As long as the dinosaurs don't wake up during treatment, nothing can go wrong. Dot, dot, dot.
1: That's the fun part. So as you're treating these little dinosaurs, you have to tranquilize them to make sure they actually stay awake throughout the procedure. Awake? Or stay asleep throughout the procedure. (laughs) You do not want them awake. The thing is, if they wake up before they are fully healed, if they are a carnivore, they will run off and they will eat one of their bedmates as they run.
0: Yes, there are three different types of dinosaurs in the game. There are ornithischians. I'm probably saying that wrong. Theropods and sauropods. And there are two, uh, I guess, uh, uh, diet types, which is carnivore and herbivore. And I think did they say there was one omnivore. I don't remember. I don't remember either. I would have to look through everything. But essentially, the carnivores, like Haley said, if they wake up and try to run away from your hospital, they will take a snack on their way out, eating one of your other dinosaurs. So that's very bad. The way the game is going to play is it is a set collection game. You will have five piles of 10 cards in the middle of the table. So there are 50 different cards. And I believe that is an exact accurate. Yes, five piles of 10 dinos in the middle of the table. Uh, Anytime one of those stacks is empty, the round will finish and the game will be over at that point. What happens on your turn is you are going to make sure to remove any sleep tokens from your dinosaurs. So the different dinosaurs, when they're tranquilized and brought to your uh, veterinary clinic, they will have an amount of sleep tokens. That's how long your tranquilizer is going to last on them. Once they run out of those, uh, at the end of your turn that they run out, they will run away. And that's going to be either they eat stuff if they're carnivore or if they're not, you're going to be losing out on potential points. Uh, Once you do that and kind of refresh the upkeep so you're able to go, you roll all of your dice. And then if you have less than four dinosaurs, you'll put one into your veterinary clinic, which I love that idea of uh, automatically getting a dinosaur because I would hate to be the person who doesn't roll a tranquilizer and has just a bum turn. So I do think that that's a, a very good mechanic to add in and it keeps things interesting. Uh, You then spend your dice and tokens, whether it's tranquilizing dinosaurs to bring them in, treating a dinosaur based on the symbols you roll, or if you're buying upgrade dice, upgrades for your veterinary clinic, or DNA tokens, which are wild. And then after that, you're going to check on your dinosaurs, make sure awake ones run away, and if they're all asleep, you're fine. And then if you've cured any dinosaurs with your dice or wild tokens, you'll put them in your point pile.
1: And I love the game because you can just play it like that. Like uh, David said that they designed the game where, you know, a group of 10 year olds can play and enjoy it, or their parents can sit around and play it.
0: I have the exact quote This is a game we have designed for everyone. It will play well regardless of age range, with plenty of depth for adults and simple play for kids.
1: And so you can stop with those rules right there where you're drawing cards, you're laying your dinosaurs out, you're treating them, you're rolling the dice, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Or you can take it up a notch and use these special abilities, which is basically, specialize your hospital.
0: It's very neat because if you play with, Uh, let's say I'm going to look at the little list here, The, the Ornithischians, which I think I had more of. A lot of the dinosaurs, when you get one type Ornithischian or Sauropod, they usually give you a bonus, some of them do, for curing more of that type. Or if you upgrade your veterinary clinic for having different types of dinosaurs, for every two Ornithischians you have, you get an extra point. Or for every, you know, every two Theropods you have, you get an extra point, things like that. So you can play with the cards that, you know, this one does this and this one does that. And this one says that it's easier to heal dinosaurs with broken bones. So you're like, oh, I don't want to heal that dinosaur yet. I want to keep it here asleep as long as possible so I can have, you know, bonus points to heal dinosaurs that have broken bones.
1: Which does not sound medically ethical, but, you know.
0: They're dinosaurs. They weren't ethical to be brought back in, to begin with, right?
1: Same could be said about French bulldogs. No, yeah, yeah. Womp womp. It just turned, took a turn for the dark. It really, it,
0: it really <laughs> did. Um uh, one of the things I do like in the game is there's 27 different dinos, but you will always have all 50 dinosaur cards in the play field. So depending on how the game goes, there is potential to see every card, every game, but it's unlikely that's going to happen, but you will see a lot of the same cards, but you won't always see them all. Like we didn't see the real big carnivore dinosaur. I can't think of uh, what it's called, like the, the Gigantosaurus rex kind of thing, right? Like a gigantic T-Rex.
1: The Can't big think ass of his T-Rex. Name. Yeah,
0: the biggest one. I don't think that one came out in our no, game. No,
1: the big ass T-Rex.
0: Oh, that's the name, big, big ass T-Rex? Yes. I mean, just about. But uh, I do like that you see a lot of the same, like every time you play the game, you can kind of expect to know, okay, I have a chance of this strategy working out based on what I'm seeing. And I do enjoy that because that means you can, uh, you can get better at the game and learn the strategies of the game every time you play it. It's not so random with dicing too many cards to where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, hee hee, versus the way it is to me, uh, seems to be one where you can learn the little combos with different cards and things like that, which is always something that's fun in games. Uh, The dice look like they're going to be really nice. I have not felt the physical dice they're going with. I think they're going with like a screen printed die. Can't say 100%, but the dice are pretty interesting. Essentially, when you heal dinosaurs, you can heal with antibiotics, which is like a pill, antiviral, like a little vial of medicine, uh, surgery, which looks like broken bone being mended. And then there's also the DNA symbol. So you'll use those on all the dinosaurs. And then there's specialty dice you can buy. If you roll three of a kind, you can spin that three of a kind to buy a specialty dice, which either has a higher chance of meds, higher chance of like the vial and a higher chance of the bones. So depending on your strategy, you can try to specialize your dice pool a little further that direction. And I do think that's a, a really neat element. And I'm excited to see how the dice turn out Physically, because I feel like any game that's rolling dice, it's a satisfying thing. And when they're good dice, it's a really satisfying thing.
1: If they're not good dice, things could get dicey really quickly.
0: Yes, they can. There you go.
1: Yeah, I really like that you can, you know, bust it out uh, with your 8, 10-year-old niece and nephew and play the base version. Or as adults, you can play the full version and really have a lot of strategy. It scales really well.
0: It does feel like it's going to scale super well. Um, really what it comes down to, I think for me is after we got done playing, this is one of those games that hits the perfect mark of, uh, people that aren't into the hobby of gaming, like deep into it. Like we are, are going to have fun with it. People that are in the hobby of gaming are going to have fun with it. Kids and adults alike can have fun with it. Family, friends, anybody like it's kind it kind of hits that mark of kind of where I put stuff like Azul, right? It's there's little puzzly things to it. You can have awesome combo-y turns, big turns, small turns, but it's easy enough to grasp for multiple people to get in on. And it's one of those that's always fun to play and it plays in a short play time. So I feel like they've really hit the nail on the head. Um, I don't know. I just, after we finished it, me and Haley both said, like I came out of the computer room and she's like, we have to get this. It's yes. <laughs> was like, okay, that's a solid sign for Haley to say like de- uh, definitively, we have to get this. I know that she's really enjoyed it. So we really had a great time playing. And I'm really excited for the Kickstarter.
1: And totally have Christmas presents for 2022 planned out for our nieces and nephews. Oh, that's a good idea. We're totally getting this game for Harper and Tyler. We're totally getting this game for Laken. Laken's got a couple of years to grow into it. but By God, she's going to be there soon.
0: I'm sure we can figure something out where we can buy several, several copies, depending on how they f- frame it all in the Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Something like that. But I'm very excited for it. I'm looking at my notes here to see if there's anything I missed in terms of, you know, resource allocation, dice rolling, set collection. Uh, you want to have the most points. Who got the most points this round, Delty? So Haley won with 32. Yeah, I did. I came in second with 26. David came in third with 24. And the designer, Will, came in last with 22, uh, which is I thought was pretty funny. Um, but Haley had a solid strategy that just really played out, and I was trying to catch up to her, but it didn't work out. Oh, there you I go. I have a, it written down. 45 play minute time.
1: I had a specialized hospital where I treated a lot of seropods. We're set up to treat them, treat them efficiently, and treat them well.
0: I, I will say, too, in the artwork and the flavor text, and by flavor text, I mean, like, this dinosaur has this ability. There are a lot of uh, references like pop culture references for dinosaurs. So for example, the Velociraptor or one of the Raptors, uh, it's like little special on its card is clever girl, which you'll recognize probably from Jurassic park. Uh, They said that there's a lot of, is it far side is the dinosaur comic. Is that what it's called? I can't remember. I've never personally read it myself. I believe it's called far side. I don't feel like Googling it, but David said there's a lot of that referenced in there. And they even have a reference with, Littlefoot and Littlefoot's the mom. For land
1: before time. For land before time, it's the
0: only card that shows two dinosaurs. And he said that there is a lot more of more or a lot more hidden references within the artwork and stuff like that. So, I thought that was a really neat thing to do, but uh we will try to post. I mean, obviously when I post this podcast, you'll see the ad with the images, but I will be also posting uh again as the Kickstarter gets closer to launching and probably once it launches and I just need to um you know get this artwork out there cuz it is stinking adorable and great
1: yes so good luck to the team at absurdist productions on their kickstarter we will be uh kickstarting your game
0: oh for sure i highly recommend checking this game out when it hits we, we... will try to provide the link at that time
1: yeah so we'll be we'll be backing it and we hope you guys do too for
0: sure hey what can i get you i'd like a topic any special way Make it a top-shelf topic.
1: Coming up. Enjoy. Well, that was a dice conversation.
0: It was a dice conversation. Should we roll on down the line and see what we land on? (laughs) Snake eyes. There you go. Is that how it's going to (laughs) go? That sounds bad. But no, for a topic today, we determined that we are going to talk about dice in games because... Uh, I generally haven't like, I try not to have an overall negative view on dice because dice are fun, but depending on how the game functions with dice can determine how good or bad it feels to play said game. I think this is instantly getting heavier than the, <laughs> the game, than the game part of the episode.
1: So what we really wanted to talk about was different uses of dice in gaming because When it comes to dice, like, you can have, like, I I think about the games that I played whenever I was a kid. I had no autonomy in these games. You're playing things like Clue, where you just roll the dice and move. You roll the dice and move. Maybe you can choose what room you go into, but you roll the dice and move. There's, like, zero decision-making or autonomy. You're just kind of rolling the dice and moving. Same thing with uh, Yahtzee. Aside from, like, pressing your luck, there's really no strategy to it. You're just at the mercy of the dice gods as you play. And for Delton, I remember early in our relationship when we were talking about gaming, you know he introduced me to the term "mayor trash." Mayor trash is the game, so just da 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 da. You use dice da 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 da, and your fate is sealed. Yeah. With the roll of the dice. Yeah. And you know you've kind of talked about that before. It's kind of that loss of agency, feeling like you have no control, feeling like you just kind of set up to lose. Like that's not fun for you. No. Even if the dice couldn't be in your favor, it's just it just kind of takes the fun away. Whenever you're. It definitely can. Whenever dice is like the main way to play. However, dice don't have to be that way. There's another way. Yeah. Just like your job doesn't have to make you miserable, neither do your dice.
0: Exactly. Uh, That was one thing we talked about with Paleo Vet that we just talked about in the game part of the episode is me and Haley were discussing on our own before this episode, what topic do we want to do for this? Like we've talked about theme a lot lately. We want to kind of lighten the topic a bit. This is about dinosaurs that are cute, and you're rolling dice to heal them. And I thought, you know, we haven't really talked about, and this was Haley said, we haven't done dice. What about dice? And I looked, and I was like, we really haven't done a topic really about dice. He control F'd and did not find any mention of dice. I literally control F on my spreadsheet that keeps track of every game, every topic, every question, and every beer, and there are no dice mentioned at all. And
1: this is episode 99, so you've been putting (laughs) this off for a while.
0: You must really hate dice. It's not that I hate them. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, it's a hard topic to talk about because you roll dice and that's it, right? There's other stuff to it, but, uh, I feel like it is one that's probably just overdue in the today's game world. In Paleo Vet, what I liked about it was if you roll two dice of the same kind, you can spend them on a DNA token, which is a wild that you can use to fulfill where normally a dice would fulfill. Uh, you can also spend two of them to get an upgrade for your veterinary clinic. Or you can spend three of a kind if you roll them to get a specialty dice to expand your dice pool and go from there.
1: And there's different abilities that you can have that allow you to change the dice. And so you have a little more agency over
0: your roll. You really do. And so that after talking about it and talking about that, I thought, you know, well, that game doesn't feel bad. Part of it, I think, is because when I said the rule where if you have less than four dinosaurs, you have to bring one into your veterinary clinic automatically that means if you don't roll a tranquilizer, you're not being punished. And I like that because I think that's the thing with dice is dice can feel punishing. If you roll dice and you just whiff and that's it, sorry, it sucks to be you. That doesn't feel good to play. It might feel good when you're winning. You know what I mean? If you're rolling great, you're like, oh, look at me, I'm on fire. I mean, that's kind of the thing with like craps, right? Craps is a dice game. There's that that energy, that gambling feeling that like, ah, we're going to get it. We're going to try again. It's so easy to push your luck with literally any game that involves dice, especially if it has rerolls. And it's something that it can, it can feel very punishing and kind of down on you depending on how the game presents it. But not every game just uses dice to roll. I mean, we obviously have Yahtzee, things like Yam Master, where you're rolling dice, re-rolling some dice, and probably re-rolling some more dice. I mean, you got stuff like Farkle and Nico. You're rolling dice and doing math, that kind of stuff. But the dice roll is essentially the whole point of that game. It's, uh, you know, but they have games that start to break out from just roll the dice and see what the values are.
1: Things like escape. Escape is just you're rolling dice, seeing what the values are, but you're able to re-roll and re-roll, 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 re-roll. Mm-hmm. You still have things that you can do. You still have strategy. You can share the dice with others. You can keep some dice. You can press your look and try to not get locked in the chamber for
0: all of eternity. That one adding that real-time element to escape where you're trying to accomplish a goal by rolling dice and yeah, if you get stuck, you got to have someone come help you and roll their dice to get you out. And uh the, the thing there is that theme and the real-time element of go 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 we're running out of time. There's something that just works in that game that I love so much. But one of the early versions of a game and now I don't know exactly when it came out, but Liar's Dice that's one of the first games that I feel like breaks through the you know normal dice rolling being hindered by it because you're not just rolling dice to see. You're rolling dice, you're thinking of probabilities, and you're betting. And it starts to break the mold. And I feel like that's the direction that other games started to have to look, right? Because you can have, I mean, I'm trying to look at games and see like, what games do we have that roll dice to accomplish things? Now, there's a lot that roll dice and utilize those dice. But are there any that roll dice, you know, Yahtzee style that we play?
1: Like uh, King of Tokyo.
0: I guess King of Tokyo would be probably the closest one. Roll dice, try to get points. Roll dice, try to get little lightning bolt thingies. Roll dice to try to knock out the opponent from inside Tokyo. That kind of thing. That is probably the closest to a Yahtzee style game we have aside from Yam Master, which is just Yahtzee with some (laughs) stuff on the board. It's weird. Best $5 game I ever got. Uh, $5 is about what it's worth for me, personally. Uh, but then you start, to, you start to break out a little bit in terms of the way dice are utilized. So one of the games that comes to mind that's possibly one of the like, most highly rated, greatest games of all time is Castles of Burgundy. And Castles of Burgundy uses dice. That dice determines on where you can place different things, but you can modify it with tokens that you've gotten in the game.
1: And you can also choose where you place that modified dice. Like it qualifies for a certain area, but you can choose what spot within that area. So there's still some agency or so some control over your movements there.
0: And I do think it's nice in a game like that where you do have a random element of, well, what number am I rolling and how can I utilize this best? But there's ways to mitigate it. And that tends to be the... That's the key word, right? For a game that uses dice in a way in which I like, is can you mitigate bad rolls? Mm-hmm. It's the same way if you play a card game, is there a way to mitigate bad draws? It's, yeah. you know, that's mitigating bad luck or bad chance, however you want to look at it. Uh, that is kind of the key for me for making it something super fun.
1: Not necessarily control, but just like having yeah. a little bit of sway.
0: I just want to push them. I want to nudge them. I want to, I want to topple that dice over where it's no longer a three but it's a five right Right. like that's the kind of thing that i want to do wait that wouldn't be right no yeah it would three (laughs) into a five i had to think about how a dice is made out and be like is that a feasible thing that can happen
1: and so for me like see you you lean more towards the no dice spectrum yeah i lean more towards the dice spectrum because i like that little bit of randomness um you know whenever we play a lot of uh Euros, whenever we play a lot of you know, resource management. You know, it's not uncommon for me to sit there when it's not my turn and plan like three, four, five turns ahead. Yeah. So that's a lot to kind of keep track of. But with dice with games that use randomness like dice, even if it's just, you know, I don't know what resources I'm gonna have, it kind of helps me to stay more present in the gameplay too, because I can't think three or four times ahead. I can have some ideas, but ultimately I don't know what my turn's gonna look like until I roll that dice. And so it kind of yeah. forces you to think on the spot.
0: I could see that. And there are games though, that I guess that's true. It depends on that dice spectrum. It depends on the dice spectrum a lot, because if you go more towards my side of the dice spectrum, you get games like Coimbra, where you roll a dice and it sits in a thing and it determines kind of like where you can play it. Or you've got, you know, Castles of Burgundy, or I'm trying to think of, uh, I had a game in my mind just now and it just went and like flew away and fizzled out of my brain. (laughs) Because I didn't get to nap because Steve woke me up. So, you know, the usual.
1: I but, wish I knew what direction you were going, but there's Star Wars. Star Wars has dice.
0: Star Wars Destiny does have dice. Those are okay. I'm not a huge fan of the way that the dice are used there. It's neat to use dice. They're hard to mitigate. Yeah. And again, that comes down to the issue for me. But one of the games that uses dice really well is, and in a completely different method, is like, I'm going to point out two, Sagrada and Noctilica. Sagrada uses them as a puzzle element, right? You roll them and now you have to make these work in some way, but you have a way that you can approach it that helps you maximize the potential for error, right? Or not potential for error, help you maximize your potential to use bad rolls. Mm -hmm. And I like that about it. That kind of takes the dice rolling and says you're going to roll these dice and you're going to have to use at least two of them for the most part, right? You're going to have to use these two how can you play stuff on your board to maximize usability of random dice rolls? Yeah.
1: So I guess that's another thing. Dice can be used as different functions. You know, in Sagrada, yeah. they're more like game pieces. Like, this is the resources yes. I have this turn. Whereas in things like uh, like this one, it's also... Uh, Paleo vet? Paleo vet. <laughs> it's, it's also resources. But then you have other ones where dice, you know, they determine where you can move or what actions you can take. And so dice, you know, it's not just rolling to see, oh, I get to move four paces to the north. Yep. It's, you know, what resources do I have? Where can I go? Oh, this looks pretty. I like this.
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, games like Noctilica is kind of like Sagrada, where it's those dice are essentially pieces on the board. But in Noctilica, you're trying to find, you know, long strings of a, of a certain number and pick those up and the colors you can use. And. It uses dice as an easy way to randomize something without having an excess of, like, tokens or something on the board. There's a lot of dice in that game, though, so that's definitely a thing. And so dice can be used differently. Now, one of the ways dice is used, or I should say two of the ways, are a lot of combat and war games tend to utilize dice to simulate uh, the randomness or the... I don't want to say randomness, the unreliability of some sorts of different types of combat. Right, Just because you're playing soldiers on a board, it doesn't mean every single shot hits. And that's just kind of a fact of, you know, I mean, a f- sad fact of warfare. Not a sad fact, maybe happy? I don't know. Kind of a heavy topic there for a second. But that it simulates it well, right? Not everything is going to be a hit. Kind of like Battleship. You're not always going to be on the mark.
1: Or like whenever you're playing King of Tokyo, just because you're yeah. wearing a giant robotic bunny suit, it doesn't mean you're going to completely destroy your opponent the
0: first time you hit. Exactly. And so... Those games tend to use them. There's ones like Memoir 44 that do something a little different and the dice are not just like a one through six and add a number or do this, but it uses it like most games that have like a you know kind of combat utilize a dice system in some manner for the most part. And obviously it's not always, but then you have stuff like role-playing games where nearly all role-playing games have some sort of dice rolling. And part of that is it's fun for the players. You try to build your character to maximize even if you get a bad roll, it's not completely debilitating. But I also feel like role-playing games is the weird intersection on the dice spectrum where it starts to shift for some people. People like me who like the more mitigated dice rolls, this and that, rolling dice in a game like D&D or you know, Talisman or the night game we're playing now, kind of Brian's homebrew, rolling dice is just fun. And even if you like whiff at something, I think the story you make because of it is a fun thing to do. So it makes it okay to have those bad rolls, but I think that's because it lends itself so much to, you know, things don't always... Yeah, story progression. Things don't always go the right way. Where I feel like sometimes people that really love dice rolling games where you do all this stuff, I feel like, and I might be completely off base, which is fine, they might not enjoy the style of dice that you do in role-playing because it's, I don't know, maybe... I don't know. I just feel like they—it's not there's not the as big of a crossover. If you're a really big fan of Yahtzee and King of Tokyo, you might not like the more simplistic dice rolling, but you might still at the same time.
1: See, I would I would kind of disagree with there, yeah. because I I think it's not necessarily a matter of taste. I think it's a matter of exposure too. Yeah. Because like if you're playing like That's a good me, point. I was playing Yahtzee and Clue until I was like 23 years old. I thought that was that was the way board games are. I guess 20 years old. I don't know when I meet you.
0: I don't know. <laughs> 18. 18 years ago? We met at 18.
1: Oh, I met like... Anyway, yeah. So
0: <laughs> 12 years ago. 12
1: years ago. So, like, back in the day, like, that's all I knew. And so it wasn't necessarily that I, you know, didn't like dice manipulation. Just I didn't know it existed. I didn't know that dice manipulation existed. Yeah. I didn't know that dice were used for resource management because I'd never played a game like that. And, like, once I play, I'm like, yeah, I, I like those games. I prefer... To you know, play these heavier games, mm-hmm. but you know I, I will still go back and play Nico or Yahtzee with my family. Of course, too. and so I, th- I think that's not necessarily a matter of taste; it's a matter of exposure. Though your taste can still be, I just like to sit around and press my luck playing dice games.
0: Oh, for sure, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And I didn't think about that with exposure that games like King of Tokyo and Yahtzee and stuff like that are gonna be, uh, they're gonna be some of the first games that people coming into the hobby are gonna be used to. And so that might be something that, oh, I really like this dice aspect, where people that have spent longer time in the hobby, I feel like, start to push away from that. Not on a whole, but I feel like that happens more, right?
1: Just because you have, like, more games. Because when's the last time that we played a game, like, more than once?
0: Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you play so many different games that utilize dice in so many ways, Mm -hmm. you find something you prefer, where people that are newer to the hobby are going to prefer the, I'm just going to roll a shit ton of dice, which is still a fun thing to do. Right. Uh, so I feel like that is part of it is the longer you're in the hobby, the more games you try out, you might find your specific style, but you could still op- obviously like those games best. I'm just trying to like, on a whole, based on the people I know, which isn't a large, like, you know, study sample.
1: As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking like, if you were to have dropped Castles of Burgundy on me whenever I was like, little 18, 19, 20 year old Haley, I've been like, uh, I don't like this. You kind of got to work up.
0: Yeah, you kinda do, which is fine.
1: Which is fine. Yeah.
0: But yeah, dice can be used for all sorts of different things. Uh anywhere from rolling a butt ton of them like Yahtzee or something like quarriers, and you know, working your way to where it's like you roll a single die. Uh a single dice. Die? Dice. Die. Die is single. Dice is plural. Yes. Yes. You roll a single die and do something weird. Like there's this giant spectrum of dice games and I mean, they're all good. They're all fun to play. If you enjoy throwing dice, you'll find something you love.
1: I like how we did a whole topic on dice and didn't even mention Dice City.
0: We didn't mention Dice <laughs> City. I have played it once because I was, I was a little lukewarm on it. I need to try it again um, and take a look at it. I was thinking more of Roll for the Galaxy because I like Race for the Galaxy, but Roll for the Galaxy includes just a butt ton of dice you're rolling, which is always fun, but it also uses them in a different manner and I really like that anyway dice are a lot of fun and to call back to the game of the episode i'm looking forward to throwing dice again in paleo vet and getting dinosaurs i just wanted to say that because i am actually excited about this game i am too this is one of those things where as a listener they're like ah hmm they got to play a game didn't they it's they're 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 being overly positive. No, I just actually am excited to get this game. <laughs>
1: yeah, we we really are, and we are not compensated for this. Like, this is just our opinion. No, we were not, we're not being paid. It, we just for got this.
0: to we just got to play it. It wasn't a review copy, nothing like that.
1: We just got to play and have fun with our friends. And I wish we could see them at a con this year, but unfortunately, there's a plague. But I'm really bump, glad bump. we got to connect with them over the tabletop simulator. And they have a lot of patience with me and learning how to flip my cards. So thank you guys.
0: And I think we should go ahead and crack the beer before we. Get into the question and finish the episode out. Out.
1: This is another Portlandia beer. Del's got it the thrills for the pills. The chills for the pills.
0: If anyone has chills, it's you because you're cold all the time.
1: The bills for the pills because you paid for it.
0: Uh, that's a point. Paid for your outfit and the electric bill. So the second beer. What? <laughs>
1: what are you talking about? I'm
0: paying for the outfit to keep you warm and I'm paying the electric bill to keep it cold. Well. That's what I meant. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the bill this uh, today, right now, this time, this moment is from Freem, P F R E I E M. Freem from Hood River, Oregon. It is their Pilsner. It's got a little bear with a hat on it. It looks like Smokey the Bear. It's simply called Pilsner, and it says, "Prepare thyself for fresh scents of flowers and tart lemon zest, with a touch of honey and a crisp, spicy finish." 4.9, alcohol by volume. Will you please place that over there? That
1: sounds fantastic. Good choice there, Pooh. Reminds me, I can't wait to talk about a beer that we're going to bring in a later episode. In in October.
0: Stay tuned. Spooky. Spooky. All right, so this Pilsner is, you can see through it very well. It's a yellow tinted, super clear. It smells very light. Smells like lemon honey. I do get the lemon zest.
1: Mm, But it smells really
0: sweet. That is very sweet but also light.
1: Mmm. Wow.
0: I don't get too much spice on the back, but a little bit.
1: Like a was it cardamom aftertaste?
0: Maybe a little mm. bit, yeah. Or coriander, maybe.
1: Coriander.
0: Something. Coriander's used a lot in like Belgian beers, and I don't know how pilsners play into that. It's really like quite tame, super wow. light, but it's also kind of fluffy.
1: It tastes more sharp than fluffy to me.
0: Sharp on the back end, fluffy on the front. When you first put it in your mouth, that's what the, she said. the carbonation is really nice. But once you swallow, that's when I get the little bit more sharp crispness. But that's really good.
1: It definitely leaves the feeling in your mouth. Although after you bite a lemon, we yeah. feel like you have this like sour film.
0: Yeah. That's what it feels like. A little bit of that like left leave behind. Mm-hmm. It's really good though. Like it's a it's a solid summer beer, I think. Nice and light and crisp. Yeah, that's that's uh that's a pretty good one. I just like all the uh, Portland beers, but they have good breweries up there. It's like here. I like a lot of Oklahoma beers.
1: We're rivaling Portland now, my friends. We're
0: trying to. With the beer cracked, let's move into the question. And now, join us for a Malt House Games Podcast special, Five Size Question. So the question for today is very simple. What's your favorite dinosaur? You go first. My favorite dinosaur has... You know, I kind of want to Google it when you hand me my phone because I'm old now and I haven't talked about what my favorite dinosaur is in so long. That's really sad. No, it's not. Maybe a little bit. I just want to know. I think that this is still it. I'm going to spell it and see if it is. No, it's not. It's not the Stegosaurus. Oh, no. Uh, Okay. Finding it. (laughs) Getting there. (laughs) Ah. This guy, Ankylosaurus.
1: Ankylosaurus. The one that
0: has like a rock for a tail. Yeah, boy. And it just bashes people and it's all spiky. Is
1: that the one that has a brain in its tail too?
0: I don't think so, but it looks like an armadillo if it was a dinosaur. that's what's up. I've always liked the Ankylosaurus. I always liked the Stegosaurus too, but I've always liked the Ankylosaurus because I just like something about having like a hammer for a tail where they're just like, don't mess with me. And then they're done. It's very empowering. And then they go eat some veggies. What about your favorite Dinosaur. chicken. What about your actual favorite dinosaur, not descendants of dinosaurs Uh, in today's time?
1: Chickens are dinosaurs? No,
0: they're descendants on dinosaurs, of dinosaurs, not on. Do you want like the, what is it, Archaeopteryx or whatever, the little bird-like dinos that look like little mixture of raptors with bird wings? Feathers? No. I want a
1: Velociraptor. There you go. Because I had a dream I was a velociraptor once, and that was a wild experience.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How? Why? What is wrong with your brain?
1: (laughs) It wasn't a magical dream. Like, I had a dream I was a velociraptor, and I was, like, flying through some, like, volcanoes and stuff. It was pretty exhilarating. Did you eat people? No, I just, like, floating. I was a very peaceful velociraptor. That's weird. I think if I was a velociraptor
0: in my past life, I had a pretty good one. I mean, that's basically a chicken. A very mean chicken, but very, a chicken.
1: Very mean chicken. So They do have large talons. They do. Yep. So this is full circle. Yep. Chicken.
0: All right, fine. <laughs> you can have Velociraptor or some kind of raptor. I won't let you have chicken, though. <laughs> a chicken is just a, I don't know, bird.
1: I get that with kids. Like, So I'm in one of those professions where about half my clients do want to know what my favorite dinosaur is, which is great. And uh, you tell kids my favorite dinosaur is a chicken, and they lose their goddamn marbles. Ah, it's not a dinosaur. Yes, it is. And it's just one of the highlights of my job. I'll keep doing this forever. I get to make kids laugh by saying my favorite dinosaur is a chicken.
0: I mean, that works. At least you get to have fun, right? I do. You get to have fun, which is good. Well, I think that that uh, pretty much wraps up the episode here. We did our Kickstarter shout-out. Kickstarter. Our Patreon shout-outs. Uh, we talked about the game Paleo Vet. We talked about the topic of dice. We did the question of favorite dinosaur. We
1: talked about our amazing time in Portland, America we with did our have friends.
0: such a great time in Portland. And we got to talk about that. We got to have beer. By I, the way. It feels like we've recorded, like, for, it feels like it's been forever.
1: Did you, did you do anything in your wallet?
0: I did one. What did you do? Uh, I borrowed something from a player three times when I borrowed your pin during uh, the new Welcome uh, to. Three times. So which ones didn't you do? All the other five. Well, what were they? I don't remember at this oh. point. Uh, I had one that was, put, th- it was like put it in a book and laugh out loud until somebody comes and looks at it, which is hard to do. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to. If someone's looking at a book laughing, I'm not going to just walk over and see what they're laughing at. That feels weird. Uh, so I didn't do that one. Um, I, I don't remember them all. They were hard, which is why I didn't even attempt any of them. I just did the one that was easy, which is borrow something. But it was like all of them needed me to do something that I was like, that's not going to work. That's not going to work.
1: I see like for me, like we went to Powell's Books the first day and I picked up uh, Carrie Fisher's biography and I read it while I was over um, at their house. Yeah. And it literally made me laugh out loud. (laughs) Yeah, true. Oh, yeah. You were sitting out there for some of it, too. Like some of it, Uh I was sitting outside. I said to put the book down and just laugh. I just laughed. No.
0: You could have pulled it off. It was my kind of game. Yeah, it'll definitely be a fun game for any kind of parties. It's from Big Potato Games.
1: You're a big potato.
0: Thank you. Uh, But yes, I'm trying to think of if we're missing anything. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Keep an eye out for Paleo Vet on Kickstarter from Absurdist Productions on September 28th for the launch. Uh, If you find them on social media, you can find the link to sign up for the notify me when it launches thing because we want this game to get off the ground and going. First 24 hours is critical for a Kickstarter, so we would love to see it fund uh, in the first day. That would be awesome, for sure. But keep an eye out for that. Um, I guess just keep an eye on social media stuffs for anything we post. If you want to send us a question to answer on the episode, a topic to cover, anything like that, you can always send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also send us a message on social media at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at
1: S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K.
0: That is at Squirrely Geek. Uh, like, share, subscribe, you know, review us on iTunes. I can't think You're of You're sleepy else. today. I'm very sleepy because I was play- <laughs> trying to take a nap and Steve kept waking me up.
1: Our plane got in at 2 a.m. yesterday, too, so... It was
0: a little after 1. We didn't get to bed till after 2. Uh, and We're then I had to work all th- yesterday, and then I had to work all today, and today was very busy. So, yay, sleepy.
1: <laughs> so if we've missed anything, please call us out on social media.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. I probably messed some stuff up all throughout here, but that's okay because it's our podcast. We do what we want. Yay. We're grown. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in to the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode 99. Which means the next episode is episode 100 where we're gonna have the number one fan, Allison, on the podcast as long as we can get everything scheduled nicely, uh, which I believe we're going to be very easily. Uh, I don't know exactly what we're doing on the episode. It might just be a goofy episode of random things but we'll get that figured out and you'll have to tune in next time for episode 100 which is a weird thing to say we're moving into triple digits now i cannot believe it it's so strange to be doing it for this long but here we are enjoying every minute of it exactly so until next time sit back relax grab a drink and play some games we'll see you folks later Goodbye. bye